have uh, mentioned last week that we were going to be talking about marriage, authority issues in marriage today, because uh, I heard there's been some conflict in homes already over this topic, and uh, there's going to be a temptation for you today as you, uh, as you listen. And uh, there's going to be a couple of temptations. First of all, if you're not married, the temptation is going to be to say, well, I don't need this junk um, because I'm not married and I don't think I'm getting married anytime soon or anything like that. Uh, the danger with that is that anytime God speaks, and, and it's usually relevant to humans, his creations, so um, just be careful because 90% of all singles will marry at least once, and so this is relevant information for the future if it's not relevant right now. Um, if you are married, there's going to be a temptation for you ladies to be thinking about your husband as this talk goes along, and you're, you're going to be wanting to elbow him, so you got no touching in this service. Um, but, you, but you're going to be thinking, nail him, Doug, nail him. Get him. Yeah, that's what you're going to be thinking. Now, men, the temptation for you next week, this is, there's so much stuff. I tried to do it all today and I couldn't get it all in today. So next week we're going to talk to the wives. So ladies, you're pretty much off the hook today. But next week, you guys, when you come, you're going to be, you're going to be tempted to go, I am so glad she heard that. All right. So now here's the deal. What I want us to do today is resist that temptation. Next week, resist that temptation. Instead, what I want us to do is not focus on what someone else needs to hear, but instead focus on what you need to hear. So what I'm going to ask you to do is just very quietly, very in, in, silently in your mind to say, God, show me your truth. And you may not even believe in God, but if you would just be willing to say, God, if you're real, show me your truth. And I think you may be surprised with what God shows you today and next week. And so I'm just going to ask you to hold off um, all of those opinion things, because every one of us comes into this into this place with our own opinions based um, about authority based on our own experience. But what I want you to realize today is my opinion does not matter. Your opinion ultimately does not matter. What matters is God's opinion, and when we follow God's standards, life works out better. So, I just want you to stop. Ten seconds of silence and say, God, show me your truth. In your, in your mind, just say that. God, show me your truth. Now, I want, you to, uh, I want you to picture this in your mind. My wife is five foot three, and uh, on a good day, I'm five foot nine. A good day, that means like dress shoes and my hair all poofed up. Okay, I'm glad y'all caught that because the other day, Hannah and I, you know, Hannah and I were messing around before she went to bed and she has a magna doodle. And so it was my turn to draw. So I draw something like this. I draw the eyes and the mouth and the little nose. And then I just kind of did this. I mean, not, not, you know, anything like that. And I said, do you know who that is? She goes, who? I said, that's me. And she goes, no, Daddy, that's not you. She takes the magna doodle from me, erases it, draws this picture. She said, Daddy, that's you. <laughs> four hairs she gave me. Not even hair, four hairs my daughter gave me. So anyway, I tell you that to say that on a good day, I'm scraping five nine if my four hairs are standing at attention. You know, if I use a little bit of gel or that got to be glued stuff that my son is hooked on. And uh, the, the whole idea is that have you ever have you ever been in a rainstorm and been under an umbrella with somebody that's too short? 
they're holding it and, and you're trying to get underneath it, doesn't work. I mean, Hannah, Hannah's all of 36 inches tall. Can you see me trying to get under the thing with Hannah? It doesn't work that way. I'm going to have body parts exposed and they're going to get quite wet, much like the video that you saw earlier. Well, what we're going to talk about today is how God designs authority. And when we get under his authority, especially men today, when you get under God's authority, uh, life works out better. Marriage works out better. Everything goes much more smoothly. Now, um, another thing that you think about, if, if the picture is that I get underneath the umbrella and my wife snuggles up next to me or my girlfriend, if I was, you know, back when we were dating, uh, it's pretty cool to be snuggled up underneath an umbrella. You might sneak a few smooches and, you know, and so obviously we're talking about the opposite sex here because dudes, if it's raining and it's my umbrella, you're getting wet. <laughs> and, and if it's your umbrella, I'm not, I'm getting wet. I'm not even, that's a, that's a man law, right? That should be a man law. Cause, because it's just water, and I don't care about you that much, and I don't care if I'm all wet. But, but if it's my wife, now that's a different thing. I'm going to snuggle up with her. Guys, you're getting wet, or I'm getting wet, and we're, we're cool with that. Now, unfortunately, that's not the picture we see in most homes. Um, there's a great deal of confusion about roles and responsibilities and authority issues in the home. So what I want to do today is I want to spend a little bit of time looking at what God, the creator of the human race, has to say about this thing called marriage. Now, guys... God gives us a one-word job description in the Bible. And I know today we have single men, we've got students, we've got uh, one that's about to be married. I just saw you, Matt. How you doing, Matt? You didn't come give me a hug, but that's all right. Um, he said next time he came in late and I was already preaching, he's going to give me a hug. So, But I'm talking about these manly issues, so <clears throat> no, we can't do that. Uh, guys, there's one, one word job description, and whether you're married or not, if you will use this one word job description that God gives to men, it is guaranteed to improve your relationships with the opposite sex. Guaranteed. Somebody's going, tell me now, tell me now, I need this. Here it is, guys. Sacrifice. Yeah, you didn't like that, did you? Say it with me, guys. Sacrifice. Say it again. Sacrifice. Now, guys, I want you to get it, so say it one more time. Sacrifice. All right. Now, ladies, God also gives you a one-word job description in the Bible. You're not going to like it either. It's submission. Okay, ladies, say it with me. Ready? Submission. Now, ungrit your teeth. And, you know, it's kind of like when in Lion King, when, they, when the hyenas go, Mufasa. Or as Wes's daughter, Alana, says, Sata. You know. And they shiver. Now, don't shiver when you say it, ladies. I actually want you to ungrate your teeth. I want you to smile. And I want you to say submission. Ready, ladies? Submission. Oh, very good. Do it again. One more time. Submission. And because we guys really like that, do it one more time. <laughs> submission. Okay. All right. Now, ladies, many of you came here today with a warped idea of this, this word submission. And what, what has been portrayed um, in a lot of churches, even in a lot of uh, religious organizations, is not what God has to say about that word. And so I'm, I'm praying that you will listen today, that you'll come back next week before you make up your mind about this whole issue. Because I believe if you'll listen to what God has to say, then you'll understand this beautiful picture of marriage that God intended. Because what we've been doing 
at least in my lifetime, what we've been doing in the church and outside the church hasn't been working in the marriage deal. So let's just be open to what God has to say and just give it a try. You might be surprised. Well, let's get to it. All right. Stirs things up. A man is superior to a woman in being a man. Ah, y'all, were, y'all were getting ready, weren't you? There's fruit at the back. I could already see you running back there. There was some fruit that flew in the, in the car I was in yesterday. Husband was driving and wife was in the back seat. And something came flying through the air after a, a male chauvinist response. But um, a woman is also superior to a man in being a woman. <laughs> Aren't you glad? I am. I love my wife. <coughs> I picked a girly girl because that's what I'm attracted to. When God created men and he created women, he created us different for a reason. God didn't want she men and he women. God created us different for a reason. And that reason is oneness. And you will never experience that if you don't understand what God has to say about it. The problem comes when we try to do things on our own and we step out from under God's authority. We get hammered by hell, H-E-L-L, and we go through some stuff that God never intended us to go through because we don't do it God's way. So if you step out from under God's authority, then what you're saying is, God, you are not on the throne in my life. And so what you're really saying is, God, you're not in charge. I'm in charge. And that really means that Satan is on the throne of your life because you only got two choices. You got you, you got uh, uh, Satan, you got God. That's that's what the Bible says. So you've got to determine, are you going to get under God's authority or not? And as we said last week, whenever you step out from under God's authority and you try to do anything your way and not God's way, what you get is not freedom, but bondage. Maximum freedom comes from being under God's authority. All right. So let's look at it today. Now, if you have your Bibles or if you want one, just raise your hand. We'll get one to you. If you'll turn to page 144. Now, understand, I went too quickly last week, so I'm going to turn there as well. Page 144, and I hear all of those pages turning, they're turning, they're turning. All right, 1 Corinthians 11.3. All right, so I'm taking my time. Everybody there? Anybody want a Bible? Raise your hand. Oh, you need a little bit of light. Okay, I heard some murmuring. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I'm having to do that as well. All right, so 1 Corinthians 11.3. Here we go. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of a woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. All right, here we go. (laughs) Now, here's the truth I want you to hear today. Anything with no head is dead. Anything with two heads is a freak. Okay? So, the other day, Janie comes home. Caleb and I were gone. She comes home. They get out of the car. And Hannah is walking into the house. Hannah steps right over a copperhead snake. And, of course, she shudders and screams. And Janie, being the, not, she's not a, a he woman, but she, she knows what to do with a machete. She grabs my machete, comes over, and whacks it. I'm, I wish I could have seen it because I imagine there's sparks flying. She's not a gentle chopper when it comes to snakes. She <laughs> severed the head on one chop. I was proud of her. I was like, yeah, that's my woman. Why did she do that? Because she knew that get rid of the head and the snake is not going to cause you any problem. Well, it also goes that way in marriage. And Satan knows that about marriage. And if he can get a marriage where there is no head, is no authority, 
then that marriage will die. The opposite is also true. I see stories on TV. I've been to the state fair or, or East Texas fair or whatever, and you see a snake with two heads. It's weird. Ever seen a chicken with two heads? It's bizarre, and it makes the news. It is not natural, and neither is two heads in the marriage. So we've got to understand, God is the one who says this. And when God says this, he's not talking about rights, because we're going to talk about our rights in just a minute. There's a verse that, that, that will explain the rights of every person. God's talking about responsibilities. Um, God has placed the umbrella of authority in the hands of a man. And men are to hold the umbrella, and men are to be the, relation, the leader of the relationship. And the wife comes alongside under God's authority and under the husband's authority as they do life together. And this is the picture that God intended. And the Bible couldn't be clearer on this. It says that the head of the woman is the man. The responsibility was given to the man. Now, let me give you an example that goes all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. In the Garden of Eden, when God created man, then he saw that, that man was alone. One thing was not good. God created woman. And they chose to sin. You remember what happened? They ate the fruit. We don't know what it was. We say it's an apple. Could have been a sun-kissed orange. We don't know. Could have been those grapes. God said, don't eat of this fruit. They ate of the fruit. And then they decided to play this game of hide-and-go-seek with God. God comes down into the garden, and you remember what God said? Adam, where are you? Not Eve, where are you? God was talking to the one who had the umbrella of authority. Adam, where are you? God wanted to know where Adam was hiding. And that is the same question that, that I have for you today, that God is posing for us today. Men, where are you? Nathan, where are you? <laughs> Literally, Nathan wasn't on the drums today. We had Aaron Hurl on the, on the drums today. Appreciate him coming and fill in. So Nathan, y'all can tell him I was looking for him. Nathan, where are you today? Drew, where are you? Jeff, Alex, where are you guys? Jason Stevens, Jason Selman, where are you guys? Because here's the deal. If, if you let me or anybody know where you are spiritually, we'll be able to determine for you the success quotient of your life. Because we said, when you get under the umbrella of God's authority, that's where maximum freedom comes. You try to do things outside of God's authority, finances, sex, marriage, and you find what happens is not freedom, it's bondage. So guys, where are you today? God is not going to give you authority if he can't trust you. And God finds out whether he can trust you by giving you small amounts of authority along the way. Same thing I do with my children. Whenever my son shows me that he can, he can be trusted with a little bit of authority, I give him more. When I give him too much and he can't handle it, I take it back. And we begin working on the process again. Same thing God does to you. So, men, where are you? And remember this truth. You will never achieve your ultimate position in life until you live a life of submission. All right. Page 160. If you're following along in your Bible, page 160. Galatians 3.28. You want to talk about rights? Here we go. And guys, lest you ever say, submit, because that's what the Bible says. You always have to interpret Scripture by Scripture. Never interpret it by your opinion or by what your mama or your daddy said or what your preacher said. You interpret it by Scripture. Look what Scripture says right here. Ephesians 3, uh, uh, Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. 
for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what this means is the playing field at the foot of the cross is level. We are all the same in God's eyes. So I don't get to lord it over my wife and tell her what to do. That's not what we're talking about. It means that in God's eyes, all of us are equal. We do, however, have different roles. And that's what we're going to talk about. Different functions. So let's look specifically at a man's job description. Page 166. Ephesians 5.25. Page 166. All right, guys, here we go. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. All right, that's all we're going to do. Let's read it again. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Now, so what does it mean? How did Christ love the church? Three quick ways, and and we'll be done today. First way that Christ loved his wife was sacrificially. Matt, would you get me a a paper towel? I need to wipe this off real quick. Sacrificially. Ladies, if we were to do a poll today, those of you who are married, right over there on the side, I think there is. If we were to do a poll today, and we were to ask you the first word that comes to mind from if we were to talk about your husband, would the word sacrifice be what you come up with? Don't answer that out loud. We know. We already know. You don't have to shame us. Now, when we're talking about sacrifice, here's the deal. God designed us for a relationship with us. I'm going to put us over here. Can you all see that? You all probably can't see that. Not even close. Yeah, I need a different one, but I don't know where it is. This is us. (laughs) Here's God. Now, God wants to have a relationship with us. Go ahead and turn those those lights up all the way, would you? That might help a little bit. Keep going, keep going. That's it. Okay. Now, God designed us to have a relationship with Him. The problem is, the Bible says that every one of us has sinned. You are not guilty of sin because you were born. You are guilty of sin because you've sinned. Which means you've messed up. I've messed up. We have all messed up. So the Bible says that our sins... Oh, oh, that is terrible. Our sins separate us from God. There is this huge cosmic chasm between us and God. And the Bible says that, that people try all kinds of things to try to get across this chasm. They try going to church. Woo-hoo. That's good. But that will not get you back to God. People try giving to charities. They try volunteering their time. The Bible says all of those things lead to hell. (laughs) Our good deeds are not good enough. If you read the Bible, it says that every deed we, we do is like filthy rags before God. Because God is perfect. All right, now think about this. If God is perfect, I don't know if you've ever been in a germ free environment. I haven't. I've seen them. I couldn't go in because I had germs. God has a germ-free, spiritually germ-free environment in heaven. And He's perfect. And He is separated from us, not by His choice, but by our choice. And that meant no imperfect spiritually person, spiritual person could ever get into heaven on their own because we are not pure. We're impure. So we got a serious problem. If this... The first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are called the Gospels. And the Gospels actually means good news. If we stopped right here and said, we're all going to hell, that's not good news. The good news is that Jesus 
came from God, took the initiative to come and make a bridge to get us back to God. And if we will follow Christ, that means to ask Christ to come into our lives, to be the forgiver of our sin, the leader of our lives. You have to walk across this bridge. Jesus himself, the founder of Christianity, because a lot of people say, oh, Christians are so narrow minded. Well, the reason we're narrow minded is because the founder of our religion is narrow minded. And he said, I am Jesus quoted, said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one will come to the father except by me. So if I'm going to claim to be a Christ follower, it only makes sense that I proclaim to you what Christ, the founder of my religion, said. And he said, the only way to get over here is to come through someone who is perfect. Anybody here perfect? I'm not. Mess up all the time. You cannot get into heaven based on my righteousness because I'm not good enough. The only way to get into heaven is on someone else's ticket. Jesus came from God, became a human took the initiative, sacrificed his life on the cross so that you and I might have a way to get back to God. Now, I hope that gives you a better picture of what it means to live sacrificially, men, for your wife. Um, Now, Janie is superior to me in several things. And I submit to her in those things. I'm, I'm superior to Janie in just a few things. She submits to me in those things, and they work. It it makes our marriage work. Imagine that. God, the one who created us, knows what makes a marriage work. Um, And when I think about this whole concept, I think about Jason and Danae. I didn't even ask them if I could give give their, uh, their story. Oh, thank you. He just gave me permission. I've heard both of them say this. About two years ago, two and a half years ago, their marriage was almost done. I mean, really, it was done. They just they they stayed committed to one another for some reason. They're not even sure themselves what it was. And what I've heard both of them say is we came to a point where we looked at each other and said, I cannot love you the way you want to be loved. I can't do it. It is not in me. And so that day, Jason said to to Danae, he said, I'm going to do this thing God's way. I'm going to church. I'm going to I'm going to get in the Bible. I'm going to do what God has to say, whether you like it or not. You know what Danae said? Okay, cool. Now, is their life perfect today? Heavens, no. (laughs) They'll be the first to tell you that. But would they trade the supposed freedom? Freedom that the world says they would have had had they divorced and gone their separate ways. Would they trade The freedom, that type of freedom for what they have today, heavens no. They like each other 99% of the time. And if you've hung out with them, you know that their lives have changed. Their marriage has changed. Because Jason, the buck's got to stop somewhere. Jason said, I am going to church and I'm doing it with or without you. The buck stops with me. And according to the Bible, the buck stops with the man. Not talking about rights, we're talking about responsibility. Too many men have looked at all this and said, no way, it's too much. I don't want this responsibility. I've seen it, and if they're married, they hand it to their wives. You take it. And so what does the wife do? And I admire a lot of of wives that, that come to church without their husbands. I know a lot of single moms that are incredible. And out of necessity, they've taken the the umbrella of authority for the sake of their kids, for the sake of their families. 
And I salute you. But here's the problem. A lot of these same men say, I don't want spiritual authority, but I want financial authority. And so you get this fight, this tug of war going on for the umbrella. And then what does tug of war do? It does not promote harmony in the home. Tug of war causes all out war. Or, guy's walking along and he finds an umbrella. His wife has an umbrella. You get this Star Wars, Umbrella Wars thing going on. That is not how God intended. Something else that happens in a lot of families. We hand the umbrella of authority to our children. There you go, Ashley. You be in charge. You make all the decisions. Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to go to church? Where do you want to go eat today? Uh, We will orbit our lives around you because you are in charge. I am not the leader of this home. You are. I'm your buddy and I'll do anything to make you like me. We have totally given up responsibility to our children and God never intended for it to go that way. Is it any reason? I mean, is it any wonder that our lives and our families are falling apart when we don't follow what the manufacturer of humans said we should do? Now, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life. He took the initiative to sacrifice his life for her, for the church. And that's what we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to love my wife sacrificially. By the way, Janie loves it when I do marriage sermons. Because God just gets all over me and I start acting like I'm supposed to act. <laughs> She'll tell me probably this week. she go, man, you're so much better when you preach <laughs> on on this stuff, because then I have to remember it and, and act like I'm a follower of God. Ladies, if, if, if your husband were to treat you like that, hey, 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 mm-mm, life would be good. Marriage would be scrumptious. All right, we're to love our, our wives sacrific- uh, sacrificially. Second one is selflessly. Selflessly. What does that mean? Jesus submitted his will to the will of his father. When he became a human being, he put on flesh and bones. This spirit, this this one who is equal with God, put on flesh and bones and walked on this earth. He no longer followed his own will. He did whatever his father told him to do. So if I'm going to follow him and I'm going to love Janie as, as Christ loved the church, that means I die to my wishes. I hate that. I die to my ego. (laughs) I die to all of my authority issues so that my wife, if you go on in that passage in Ephesians, it says, so that the reason Christ died for the church is so that he could present his his bride to himself spotless, without blemish. I think back to our wedding day. When, when those doors opened and Janie walked down the aisle, the most beautiful I've ever seen her. Radiant is how I would describe her. Um, one of our friends did the pictures and he said, you're one of the most beautiful brides I've ever taken pictures of. I'm going, yeah, she is. Think about that type of preparation. And guys, we do sacrifice a lot when it's the wedding. At least if you're smart, you do, because that's her day. If we would sacrifice more for our wives on a daily basis, we wouldn't have these wars in the home. 
And the third thing is, how else am I supposed to, how does Christ love the church consistently? That means it never stops. If you read the Bible or just you know anything about the Bible, when does Jesus ever turn his back on the church and walk away? Never. So uh, we don't get to turn our backs and walk away either. Too many times we treat our, our marriages like contracts where we're looking for loopholes so that we can get out of it. But a marriage isn't a contract. It's a covenant. And, and one of the things that I do whenever I perform a marriage ceremony, I do all these will you statements. Will you love her as Christ loved the church? Will you do this? Will you do this? The last statement that I say to both the husband and the wife, I say, will you keep these promises as long as you and whoever is, is alive? And, and I've never had anybody turn me down. <laughs> they all say, I will. So if you make that promise, when do you get to break that promise? Hello? When one of you dies. Either I die or my wife dies. And you know, our joke is, I told her, I said, I'll give you 50 years to get this marriage thing right. I'll stay with you for 50 years. And after 50, we're going to renegotiate. So every year, I say, okay, 34 more to go. And we were talking the other day and, and somebody called her. I think I shared this. Somebody called her a few weeks ago and said, can I ask you a question? And she said, sure. And she said, are you happily married? Jane goes, well, yeah. And the lady on the phone said, well, so am I. Are we not normal? <laughs> and they had been with a group of ladies and they weren't bad-mouthing their husbands. They were just talking about the difficulties they were having just with communication in their marriages. And, and this other lady was talking to Jane. She goes, I love my husband. I love being married. Do you love your husband and love being married? And Jane's like, yeah, we're not normal. You want to know why? I think it's our fault, guys. Women were created by God to be responders. And many times, if you want to see how your wife will respond, look in the mirror and look at the tone of voice, look at your, your body language, look at your countenance. And then you walk out of the room and you say something or do something to your wife and you watch the exact same, same thing come back to you. Somebody's got to hold the umbrella. Somebody's got to be the one who takes responsibility. And that means if Janie's 99% wrong and I'm 1% wrong, you know who the initiator is supposed to be if I'm loving her like Christ loved the church? Me. And, you know, there's sometimes, if I'm honest with you, I'm not done being mad. Because I'm one of those that I get this burning in the pit of my stomach. And until the burning goes away, I don't want to talk to you. And sometimes I'll go and I'll sit in my room like a little child. Because I don't want to say anything. I just want to brood over it. And I'm sitting there and, and, and I just, I'll catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And I go, you are such a child. I don't, I don't actually stick my lip out, but that's might as well what I, I should be doing is pouting there. Because something happens. I'm supposed to be the one that goes to her. Now, ladies, we're, we're going to uh, get to you next week, so don't get too excited yet. Um, if we're perfectly honest today, a lot of you ladies will say, yeah, I want my husband to be the spiritual leader, but you won't let him lead. Okay, that's enough of that. We'll get there next week. But I've heard people say this. Yeah, but it's better for the kids if we split up. No, it's not. Ask the kids. Yeah, but God just wants me to be happy. No, He doesn't. God wants you to be a covenant keeper. I, I've never seen 
feelings lead to commitment, but I've often seen commitment lead to feelings. There's a lot of times I don't feel like doing stuff. But I've made a commitment, and so I try to be a commitment keeper. Look at page 204. 204. Guys, you want to know how important this is? 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. What's weaker? Gold or steel? Gold. Ladies, you're gold. We're steel. Steel-headed. A dipstick's made of steel. (laughs) You are gold, and if we would treat you like that, you'd kind of like it, wouldn't you? Janie loves to, to, to be spawed. To have a spa experience. And I joke about it the other night. My feet were hurting. I'm like, I really need my feet to be wrapped. Didn't happen, but, you know, I thought I would throw it out there. My wife, if I treat her like gold, I treat her as valuable. That means her opinion matters to me. When she says something, I don't say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I did that one time. One time, way back in in the marriage. And it wasn't saying, I wasn't saying my wife was dumb, but that's what she heard. She was repeating something her mom had said, which was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. And I said it in front of a group. Never even thought about it because I'm a dipstick. I'm steel. We're driving in the car, just total silence. And I'm thinking, wow, something's wrong. (laughs) And uh, because I'm pretty sharp, you know, I'm pretty quick. She's over there on the door handle, man. This chill is, you know. Coming through the air and and she says, you hurt my feelings. And I went, you know, I'm going, where was it? I'm trying to rewind. I went, she said, when you said that, I felt like you were saying in front of everybody there, I'm stupid. I went, no, I think you're smart. I wouldn't have married you if I thought you were stupid. I couldn't hang with that. That didn't work. You know, that didn't that didn't smooth things over. I have to show her with my words and my attitudes that I think she's gold. Ladies, which is uh, which is more valuable or which is which is weaker, silk or blue denim? Silk. Here we go again, guys. We're blue denim with holes in it. But now people buy that stuff. So I guess we're more valuable than we used to be. (laughs) Ladies, you're silk. That's all God is saying. He's not saying you're less valuable. He's actually saying you're more valuable. Which costs more, silk or blue denim with holes in it? I don't know. It depends on who's designed it, what label's on the back. Ladies, if, if you'll recognize that about yourselves, and guys, if we'll recognize that about our ladies, oh, my soul, everything in my life goes better when I honor my wife. Then you think about any relationship you have, whether it's just a best buddy or whatever, when you honor one another, now we have a good time. And, and my, Janie says, one of my best friends, he's a pastor, and we rip each other mercilessly. She said, it's amazing you're ever friends. Because we're just ragging each other. But we, we, there, there's also times that he said, man, 
You're the closest friend I've got in this world. I can be real with you, and I thank God for you. Now, which one brings us closer? It ain't, it, <laughs> it's not the ribbon. It's being honest like that and honoring one another. So when I honor her, things go well. All right, well, here's the picture. Come here, Andrew. Kimberly. God places the umbrella of authority in the husband's hands. And here it is. As Kimberly comes under God's authority and she comes under Andrew's authority, they get closer to one another. Feels kind of good, doesn't it? Except everybody's looking at you. This is, this is what God... <laughs> That's okay. They're married. We can do that. We'll talk about sex in a few weeks. God created it. Good. Sex is good in marriage. You're not going to demonstrate. Thank you. Um, now, here's the picture. And I'm not going to draw it because you couldn't see it anyway. Triangle. All right. It takes three to make a good marriage. God's at the top. The husband and the wife. There's the triangle. Now, if Andrew goes running, oops, excuse me. If I bonk him in the head, if Andrew goes running over here, and Kimberly stays right here, or if Kimberly runs away, what happens to the distance between them? It's greater. See, here's the problem. We have fellowship issues because we are fighting over the, the authority in the marriage. But when we come together, we come closer to God and we come closer to each other, the space between us becomes smaller. That's God's picture of marriage. I want you to listen to the words of this song, especially men. And I want you to think about whether you're surrendered to God today. 